Really good to be here with you all. Some of you, I, I, I don't know lots of you, so I'm Susie and uh, Adam and I are from, ooh, from Chatham in Whoa! Kent, so thank you for whoever that was from. And uh, so yeah, it's brilliant, really enjoying it. What a great place. This is such a treat, isn't it, to be in a place like this on New Year's Eve and to be with a bunch of people who are choosing Jesus rather than choosing all the other things you could be choosing tonight. So yeah, I really, really love being here. And uh, as Tom has mentioned that later on t tonight, we're, or over the weekend obviously, we're talking about revival. And uh, um, I, I loved the thing that Adam shared as well, because I don't know whether you've met people who have you know, really been in those moments when they've seen God moving in extraordinary ways, but something that you often pick up from when you have met people like that is just the extraordinary sense of love uh, in their presence and the way they love people and so just I just everything we do should be that's what God is that's the mark of God isn't it and just love the way God reminded us of that as we even begin to think about revival it's not about numbers it's not about like how dramatic things are it's about love and that's what probably has touched I feel like I'm love actually now. Not that awful film, sorry. It's not all about love. No, it's about being known and God knowing us. That's what, why Jesus came and died on the cross so he could restore us to the Father's love. And when we say it's all about love, we mean that sort of love. Um, and so what we're going to be looking at later on, um, Adam's going to be talking to us about lots of stories and, and truths and we're going to be pressing in to see what does revival look like. Um, but what felt... Um, impressed to just take a, a moment to do before we kind of think about revival out there was to think about revival in our own hearts and often well always revival starts with our own hearts with God breaking into ourselves. and earlier Tom was talking to us and he talked about us living in a state of like in between of we live in the reality of a broken world, but we're waiting for his kingdom to come and, and what we've been talking about with Revelation, we're waiting for that reality to come in. And revival is a bit like if you imagine that the in-between quickening to like bursts of God's heaven and his kingdom coming on reality, in reality on earth. So it's kind of, I thought it was quite helpful to think of it like that. It's like bursts of God's presence in extraordinary, intense ways and um, a quickening of his kingdom. It's that When we talk about God's kingdom coming, we're talking about his order being restored on earth. When we talk about um, healing, we're talking about his order being restored in our physical bodies or in our mental bodies. When we talk about repentance, which is always a mark of revival as well, we're talking about our lives aligning back with his wise ways. So we're talking about his kingdom coming. If you're kind of thinking, what is revival? Because sometimes I shy away. I'm like, why are we even talking about revival? You know, it's like, oh, we're just talking about all this trying to be dramatic stuff. No, it is. It's a bibli It's like we're saying God's kingdom coming in quick real ways in intense ways which happens throughout history and in the bible and um and we can sometimes i think i can imagine that this happens by huge gusts of god's spirit coming and nobody has any like agency or knows what's happening and it's just before you know it the whole world's changed and maybe sometimes it is like that i don't know we'll see that there is an element of that but what struck me as we were thinking about um this weekend was that it's 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 not always like that, like sometimes it is, but God's kingdom is always coming 
around us. Jesus said the kingdom is near when he came to earth. God's kingdom is coming right now. You being here tonight is God's kingdom coming, isn't it? It's like God's kingdom, his order, his restoration coming in our lives. And it seems to me as I was thinking of this evening and what God was impressing was that yes God's we're praying that God's kingdom will come by power and by his Holy Spirit but God's kingdom comes in part only to the extent to which his people reach out and take it with two hands and that's what I felt like he wanted to just take a moment for us to think about tonight where are the moments we're going to do that so we're just going to put you in do a little bit of group work just to shake it all up a little bit um I've got if you could get into kind of groups of six that would be or six or more because there's six basically there's six scriptures that you're going to need to look up and it's easy if there's six in the group because then it won't take ages and you won't have to keep looking is that going to be it's groups of six you mean yeah, what did I say? Six groups. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, groups of six or more. So might need a glamorous assistant to hand out. So before I hand these out, you need to have groups of... glamorous. <laughs> each person take one of the scriptures. There's only like a couple of verses in each thing. One, every group needs a bit of paper. I'm not very good at this, am I? You tell I'm not a teacher. Uh, everyone needs, each group needs a piece of paper. And then I want you to look up the verses as quick as you can read the verses and then think about what is common to each of those situations is that crystal clear yes right okay and we're going to take like if we can do it in five minutes that's amazing if not ten go (laughs) shall i give out half what struck me about these circumstances and what i felt like god was kind of impressing on my heart for my life and for all of us as in what what's is, this is so obvious, this is probably why you didn't even notice it, is that in every situation, those people were on their own. They were alone. <laughs> and so I have entitled this talk, Alone Moments with God. So, yeah, we, they were alone. And, and what um, you may have noticed is they were kind of, they were alone in different ways. So Jacob... Had, I think it said that his family had just gone before him. So he was kind of with people, but then he stood back, but he was alone and he wrestled with God. Moses was at work. He was doing his shepherding job, but he was alone with God. Um, David was surrounded by armies, wasn't he? Surrounded by armies and also surrounded by people really important like the king and his big brothers but it was as he walked onto the battlefield he was on his own he walked onto that field alone and Ruth Naomi they had well Ruth had a mother-in-law egging her on telling her what to do but it was Ruth on her own that had to creep into someone's bedroom I mean that's the strangest story isn't it creep into someone's bedroom and crawl under his sheets she had to do that alone And then Esther had her uncle, her godly uncle, again, egging her on, telling her what was what, encouraging her in the faith. But she was the one that had to take the steps down the scary path towards the king who was either going to hold up his scepter and say die or hold it up and say live or not hold it up and she would die. She alone had to take those steps. And then Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was surrounded a little bit, wasn't he? And he withdrew and everyone that he was with only went and let him down and fell asleep. 
He was alone praying and he had to do that. In each of those scenarios, an individual had a choice to make. Even though they were surrounded, only they could make the choice. Only they could feel the fear. Only they could feel the potential pain. Only they could know the embarrassment or even more than embarrassment, wasn't it? It was potential death. And for Jesus, it was death. Only he alone was going to die on the cross. And as I was sort of re- I've wrestled with this, because I keep thinking, but God, when we talk, when RM and we're in the group of churches, we don't talk. We talk about how important we are. We're in a body. We're not alone. We reassure people all the time: you're not alone. God's with you. You're not alone. But the reality is that dawned on me is that there are situations when we are going to have to take responsibility and do things alone, and we have to kind of face up to that and be strengthened and we have to recognize that because we're part of a body but a body is made up of lots and lots of individual cells that have to be healthy if that makes sense and the bible and history shows that god in his grace uses the church and the body but that's made up of individuals like we've seen in these stories who reach out like Tudy said who take hold of situations who approach god on their own and we can pray that god and we will be later will turn a nation will save a town, will heal the city, and he does hear our cry. But he said, he starts by saying, okay, I'm going to start with you. You on your own, what am I going to ask you to do? What are we, what's he going to ask us to do? <clears throat> and, uh, and the truth of that is, as each of these people in these biblical scenarios realises, that's a painful process, that's a scary process. Um, And so I just wanted to unpack just a few more people through history. These were people in the Bible, but through history, people in long ago and people even in the last few years who have had to make those decisions on their own because the Bible actually says there's that verse in Galatians doesn't it that says each of us have to carry our own load and there is that sense that with God you're a part of a body he he calls us he loves us he absolutely loves us we've already heard of that but he still says to us and he knows us by name and he calls you by name and he says with you to come to me I want you because I love you because I've got the best for you and um, and so there's just a couple of people oh I haven't got the book can you grab there's a couple of books in I just wanted to introduce you to and you may well have already known or heard or met them but some more people that had to face and walk with God alone and so when we're talking about revival this um, <clears throat> has many of you heard of James O. Fraser so this book's called Mountain Rain, and James O. Freezer was a missionary to China, and he um, went in obedience. He was interestingly he had to he was he had a promising career as a pianist and an engineer. I think wasn't it? He could have been, and he chose to walk away from those in that sense and went to China and lived for many many years. Many years he lived on his own, and he literally is there a funny noise? Oh, it's out there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, many years he lived on his own and he literally trod across mountain ranges to reach the Lisu? Lisu. Lisu. Is that Lisu? Lisu, Lisu people. And he had to. He, he did that on his own. He had God put people around him, but he had to make those choices and he had to press through and 
decide, yeah, God, I hear you calling me by name. I know what you want me to do. But for him, as for all those situations that we read about in the Bible, there was a painful process. He was a man who God used. And so what happened with him? He worked there for many years and he felt God had said to him, I want you to meet to reach the Lisu people. And other people said, oh, we think you should go here, there and everywhere. And he was like, no, I think God wants me to stay. So he persevered in prayer for years and years and years. And then what happened after years and years and years, there was a revival. He saw the, like the, he made the Bible in their language, translated it into their language. And he saw many, or he and other people then by then had joined him, saw many, many of that people come to know Jesus. And it was a complete turnaround in that nation situation. But in the, like, that's the exciting part that we read the end of. But in the middle of that was him again and again and again having to make many decisions on his own before God. He worked and waited for years and faithfully lived a life of obedience. He went through disappointments and frustrations, so much so that often in his diaries he records moments of depression to the extent of suicidal thoughts when he just thought, I cannot go on. But in those moments, he had to be on his own before God and decide, am I going to carry on or am I going to give up? Am I going to go home? What am I going to do? And it was in those alone moments before God that he decided to press on. And he wrote in one of his diaries, it seemed as if God was saying, you are crying to me to do a big work amongst the Lisu people, but I am wanting to do a big work in you yourself. And he was brought again and again to a place where his own needs and wants and preferences were surrendered. He became smaller so that Jesus was seen greater through his life. And he was so well accustomed to having to get used to this procedure of wrestling with God. Like we see Jesus wrestling in the Garden of Gethsemane, so much so there was, you know, it says there was drops of blood, you know, James had to wrestle with God and wrestle on this matter. Another time he wrote, it was an actual burden. It burdened me. I went to my room alone one afternoon and knelt in prayer. I knew that the time had come for the prayer of faith. And then fully knowing what I was doing and what it might cost me, I definitely committed myself to this petition in faith. And the again it struck me alone I came and so he's another he's another hero of the faith that we know had to wrestle on his own with God Jackie Pullinger I'm pretty sure many of you would have heard of her again so again a woman who was surrounded by people but she applied to go to a mission agency and they didn't they didn't accept her for some reason and so she but she again she said I feel like on my own before God he has told me I should go and so she got on a boat and I don't know all the details I've read the book but she got on a boat and she got off at Hong Kong and it says she literally walked the streets on her own before God and then she prayed and she said God show me which bit of this is mine to love which bit of this is mine to love? And God showed her the um, the walled city, they called it, didn't they? God showed her the walled city, which, again, many of you may know, but this was a huge area where the triad gangs ruled and there was much drug addiction and much, you know, horrible, scary place to be, somewhere I'd be, like, terrified to go. And God said, I want you to love that bit. So she just started loving and chatting and praying for people. And what happened was... 
as she prayed for people who were addicted to drugs, they just got set free like that, literally. And God began to move and more and more people came to her. And then it said that she even like would have people come and stay with her. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And she was there for like 40, 50 years. It was her decision on her own before God to obey doesn't matter what the rest of the crowd was saying her decision to go and to obey and she saw this huge turnaround Jesus's name being made famous um, in Hong Kong another person who I think we're getting even closer to home and even more recent Angela Kem I mean some of you she's probably in your church isn't she Angela Kem if you don't know her story she's in RM she lives in Cambridge now <coughs> she used to live in South Africa and um, she was a white South African and her story again, I think she, I seem to remember her saying she was sat, she used to go up to the mountainside, like, isn't that, what's it called? Cape Rock Mountain, the big, you know, like who of us gets to go and pray on the side of, what's it called? Table Mountain. You know, I have to go up Chatham Hill for my prayer walks, it's not quite the same. But she was up on the side of Table Mountain she used to go and pray there and she used to take her thoughts to God and she would wrestle with God alone. And he told her, like, all too young in this room, but the apartheid, it was a situation in South Africa where blacks and whites were not allowed to mingle. And there were townships where um, the black South Africans would live. And as a white woman, she was not allowed to go in there by law. And God told her to go in there by law, by by his law God told her to go in there and she went and it was so scary she would have to make like arrangements for she had children and she would have to make sure that if she didn't come home people would be there to pick them up from school but she she just went in and she just started loving people alone she just started loving and praying for people and people began she could have like people literally were getting kidnapped taken away disappearing dying horrible things were happening but God protected her and she began to talk to people and over the years again there was like all this stuff happened where there was housing that was built for people that couldn't afford housing and God just turned situations and around and God used her again she made a decision on her own before God and um where are we where are we where are we these this is what I felt God was impressing you know he is saying to us all the time yeah you're surrounded yes you're part of a body you know I come from a family where my parents are Christians my grandparents are Christians my husband's a Christian it's like you're surrounded but still I have to make a decision on my own before God what am I going to do and it's not a one-off decision I made that decision when I was seven but that was to be honest one of the easiest days when I was seven and I was sitting there since then again and again God says what decision are you going to make what decision are you going to make and um, I just wondered even now as I'm talking just just think what decisions has God asked you to make on your own before him even I was thinking for many of you coming here would have been one of those alone decisions where maybe you've been surrounded by people and they didn't understand why you wanted to come away for New Year to pray. Maybe it was a difficult choice for you to make. Maybe the fact that you're a Christian today has been an alone decision before God. Maybe becoming a Christian has meant you've had to turn your back on all sorts of things and change the way you've lived and you've made those alone decisions before God. 
but also think ahead what are some of the decisions that we have to make on our own we're going to have to do we are surrounded we do have people that we pray we we're part of a church but you're going to have to face things that you're going to do on your own think about like the first day you well when you started school you do that on your own when you go to university you're going to do that on your own when you start a new job you're going to do that on your own when you go for a job interview you're going to do that on your own each of those situations and moments when we have to take a step and we have a choice about how we're going to do it about how we're going to spend our money you do that on your own about um all sorts of things isn't it who you're going to marry who you're not going to marry you make that decision on your own even when you get married you you live in that marriage on your own if that makes sense you still have to decide before god how am i going to live before god in this marriage and there's choice after choice that makes up who we are we're going to sit at computers on our own we're going to scroll through social media on our own and Finally, the Bible says that we come into this world and then we leave and we will leave on our own. And we've talked, didn't we, about the end times. Who are we going to face on our own? We're going to face God on our own. And those moments, the everyday moments, it's like I felt like God was saying, you know, he loves us so much. And sometimes those decisions that we can sing and hear we're like yes God I love you I want to surrender my life to you and then we go back to college or work next week and it's hard when you're on your own and you have to wrestle but this the love of God is what sustains us and it's like we have to and I felt like he was saying and I was like why are we talking about this it's a bit gloomy isn't it on your own and um, but it was like God was saying if you don't recognize that then what happens is in the moment when I've had those moments on my own when I'm on my own with God and I'm like this is impossible nobody else has felt like this God has anyone ever felt like that no one else has ever had to do this it's never been this hard and there's something wrong and so I'm going to give up because and then it's like he gently brings me back and he says hello no that's not true this is not impossible the Bible says there is no sin and um that's not that others haven't struggled with there is no choice that others haven't struggled with and it feels like god was saying i want to have a people who on their own before god will choose him over and over again and will make that decision because that's where we're strengthened and that's where he's calling us and hudson taylor who was another missionary who went to china he said and i'm going to read this for china and then i'm going to read it for england China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China, souls first and foremost in everything and at every time, even life itself must be secondary. I'll read that for England. England is not to be won, or UK, is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women the stamp of men and women we need is such as will put jesus the uk souls first and foremost in everything and at every time even life itself must be secondary that's what it was for jesus for esther that's what it was for 
James Fraser, for Jackie Pullinger, their life was secondary to what Jesus was calling them into. And when I think about my own moments, one particular moment came to mind, which I'm not proud of, but I will share with you so that when you're, you know, you will you think, well, the Susie's are that rubbish, then <laughs> it's a funny one. So I started secondary school, and that's a painful moment on its own, isn't it? And we were in a family that had the second-hand uniform, so I had to go through that pain of dolling myself up in a whole attire of second-hand uniform and get myself all ready, had all the pictures and all the rest of it. And I was a Christian, and I thought, I'm going to get this one nailed. First day into secondary school. And so when I was at home, I got my new pencil case. That was new. It wasn't a second-hand pencil case. And I smothered it with Jesus stickers. <laughs> this was going to be my moment. I was going to tell the whole school I was a Christian. And the way I was going to do it was with Jesus loves you stickers. Smothered in stickers. Went into my lesson managed to get through a couple of lessons without using my pencil case and then I think it was French I can still see it sitting by the side of the wall and the teacher said right get out your pencil cases <laughs> my alone moment reached into my bag pulled all the stickers off as quickly as I could and put the pencil case on my desk how awful that was me that was just you know I was like I didn't that was bad but I know Jesus is grace since then and somehow by his grace and his mercy he got me to a place by the sixth form I was able to lead the Christian union and you know like God not lead it help lead it but God does it and so but that, that was for me I was like oh yeah that was an alone moment when I didn't really rock it but um, there will be many many more of those there will be many more of those in our lives and um, I just think that right now God wanted us to just think quietly to ourselves and he might want to say to you, you might be thinking there thinking, oh, I've really messed up some of my moments before God where I haven't wrestled with Jesus and I haven't made the right choice and you know what, his grace is so sufficient the love of God is unending or you might be thinking I'm actually really scared of those alone moments because it is scary and um, the reason why it's important to be aware of other people is because the Bible says this in, in Hebrews it says therefore this is how we do it we, we choose God over and over again because of the joy that's set before us in Hebrews it says therefore since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses. So think of the witnesses that surround you. Jacob, who ch wrestled with God. Ruth, who went for God. Esther, who chose God. Whoever it is you think of, you know, who are the cloud of witnesses? It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so how do we choose? 
choose God again and again in those moments, whether for you it's covering your pencil case with stickers, whether it's deciding, no, I'm going to say no to that relationship because I want to put Jesus first, whether it's saying, I'm not going to do that course, I'm going to follow Jesus, whether it's saying, I am going to put my money towards God. How do we make those difficult choices again and again, whether it's saying, no, I'm not going to go out and get drunk. I'm going to go and pray for New Year. I'm not going to go out and get drunk on a Friday night with all my friends. I'm going to put my social media accounts to bed. How do we do those choices again and again? Because it is hard. It is a choice. It is a moment we have to make. We do it for the joy set before us. And when you think about it, Jacob wrestled with God And then he saw the joy of walking with the blessing. Moses had a moment alone with God at the burning bush. And then he saw the joy of the Israelite people walking free from Pharaoh. David had a moment walking alone onto the battlefield facing Goliath. And then he saw the joy of the enemy scattered. Ruth had to climb into someone's bed she didn't know. And then she saw the joy of God's provision. Esther walked up to a king. She could have had her head cut off immediately, but she didn't. She saw the joy of seeing her whole people saved. Jesus wrestled in prayer with fear and pain. He knew that he 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 had to go through the pain of absolute death, but he saw the joy of his own resurrection and salvation for all mankind, for the joy set before him. What is the joy that God is calling you to? So we don't focus in that sense. We, we acknowledge there will be pain. There is choices. There is alone moments. What is the joy God is, is calling you to? And I, I wonder if you can stand for a moment, please, while we, we just ask him, God, what is the joy you're calling me to? Because maybe right now God is not saying to you, I want you to go to China. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not saying, I want you to go to a dangerous place, a dangerous township. Maybe he is. Maybe he's just saying to you, "Um, I want you to think about your moments when you're at home on your own in front of a computer. Maybe he's just saying, like I said, I want you to think about your relationships, how you're spending your money. But be assured that it is for the joy that God sets before you. It's for the joy. And there's one more story that I just wanted to uh, finish with. Some of you may have heard of a man called Eric Liddell. Um, Oh, I've got my phone. Because the the quote's on there. Is it my bag? Was anyone? (laughs) Darn it. Would have been such a good moment. (laughs) Hold that thought. My... It's probably not in there. It's probably at home. It's always, it's always in the washing basket. Sorry. It's in this bag. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on the lectio rack. Do you happen to have the lectio rack? The lectio rack. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Thank you. Right, let me read you. Some of you will have heard of a man called Eric Liddell, who was a runner. Have you heard of him? He was a runner and he ran in the 1924 Olympics. Another example of a man who was surrounded, but he had to make a choice on his own. Because when he got to the Olympics, he trained to do the 100 metres and he discovered that the 100 metres was going to be run on a Sunday. And he said, I'm not going to run on a Sunday because his choice before God was that God had said, no, don't do that. So he instead went for the 400 metres, which he hadn't trained for, and he won the gold medal. 
And he said, it has been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a gold medal. But since I have been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than any I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. And so I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to ask God, what are you asking of me alone today? What are you asking of me alone today? And uh, Jackie Pullinger, she wrote of her story when she went to Hong Kong. She said, simply put, it began, it always does, with one person being caught up in the joy and the surprise of being loved by Jesus. It's all about God's joy. It's not about we have to take our eyes off the pain and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Eric, and he may not be calling you to, to go off, but he might be saying to you today, what can you and you alone, what am I asking you and you alone to do? And another quote by Eric Liddell, he said that when he ran, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I just, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you know our names. Jesus, you looked across a crowd and you would always pick out an individual. You said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your home. And today you look across this crowd, but you know each and every one of our names. And you know the things that we have to deal with on our own before you. We're so grateful for the family and the friends and the churches that you've put us into, but you know that sometimes we're on our own in a dark place or we're on our own at work or we're on our own and we, and we have to make a choice. And I ask Holy Spirit right now, will you show us what choices today that you're asking us to make and that you'll give us courage and that you'll remind us what the medal is that we're running towards the prize in heaven who is you Jesus the joy set before us I pray that the things that you're putting on our mind to do the places that you're asking us to pray for the stirring in our hearts some of us are being stirred to pray for places some of us are being stirred to reach out to people some of us maybe your heart resonated you know with those stories of people who felt that God had put a, a place on their hearts and others said no. I pray, Jesus, that if you're putting places on people's hearts or people that you want them to speak to, even today, God, that they'll make those choices. I pray you'll give us courage, God, on our own to always choose you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you come you'd help us to make those decisions today but I pray that you'd more than that fill us with your spirit yes. so that when we're at home on our own that we've decided that we've done business with you today God.